Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's always good to be downstairs with all the uh, adults. And uh, we're continuing in our, in our series here, Generous Part 2, with an emphasis on being generous with our abilities. And there's a lot to cover today, uh, but before we do, uh, I just want to start with our usual shout this morning of, uh, I love God and I love you. Thank you, church. And I just want to explain real quick that that shout's not a shout for nothing. It's not meant to like be a cult or thing. But just a, qu- a question, though, for everybody. Has anyone ever noticed the similarity between our weekly shout and our mission statement? Yeah, it's weird, right? What a coincidence. Um, yeah, so a mission statement, guys, it is hugely and vitally important because a mission statement reminds you and I why do we gather together? What's our, our focus? What's our aim? What's the goal that we're trying to accomplish together? And what the weekly shout does is it draws our, our focus and our attention week by week by week on what God has called you and I to do, and that's to love God and to love others. And it ties directly into um, uh, what we're doing with this series in Generous. Now, I'm not usually downstairs, I'm usually upstairs, and as you guys know, I teach the most brilliant and amazing group of teenagers, and shout out to you guys, I love you guys, you're the best, um, near and dear to my heart. Well, I kind of created a little roadmap for them, this kind of little graphic that I uh, created. It got a little jumbled um, on the TV screens, but I'm going to just show it to you real quick. I was kind of walking them through, like, we want to be generous in three different areas with our time, abilities, and finances. Last week, Pastor Sam walked you through uh, time. Now, what some of you guys may not know is that we as a youth group, we track parallel to what you learn downstairs. Okay, so here's my quick little youth group plug. Uh, if you're a parent with a student in youth group, I just ask one favor. Ask your student what they learned uh, today. In Sunday, all right? Because they're learning from the same text that you're learning from. And just imagine what that car ride could look like as you're driving back home and you ask them, hey, what did you learn today? And then they start sharing and then you guys can compare notes and then you get an opportunity to teach your son or daughter what you're learning in church. And I think that could be very transforming and helpful for your family. So that's my little youth plug uh, for you. Um, but in explaining this, this graphic real quick, when, I think when we get these three things, time, ability, and finances, we align them with being generous towards God, God's people, and the world. We're, it's going to ultimately land and lead us to being generous with our Jesus. Um, so this is what we have to look forward to for the next coming weeks. Now, I want to focus on ability. You can go and go to the next slide for me, James. Uh, ability is a little bit different than time, okay? You can't increase time, all right? You get a fixed amount of time, but ability is actually flexible. You can actually get better at something. Likewise, we all get equal amounts of time, whereas ability, we kind of get differing degrees of ability. For example, some people know this and some people don't, but Brandon and I, we work out pretty much every single day, okay? And he destroys me on leg press. We get on there on the leg press. I can't keep up with that guy. Um, he has really strong legs. But every other exercise, <laughs> you got some work to do, Brandon. He's calling you out. Okay, but you have differing degrees of ability. But the question for us this morning is, we all have abilities. And what are you supposed to do with your God-given ability? 
Okay, what are you supposed to do with your God-given ability? It's interesting, as we're in this month of November, okay, it's a very special holiday that happens called Thanksgiving, and there's something that kind of reminds me of uh, when I was a college student, and kind of if you were once a college student, maybe some of you got to think way, way, way back. Okay, what happens, right? As a college student, you go home, you go back to family, you sit down, and you seem to get asked the same exact questions every single time. Right? So usually it's, uh, where do you go to school? Right? And you're like, oh, I go to this school. And then what's the next question they ask you? What do you major in? Right? And you go, oh, I major in this. And then what's the question that comes after you tell them what you're majoring in? What are you going to do with that? Right? Who's the, who, I'm, I got sick and tired of always a- answering the same questions over and over again. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Okay? Well, the Bible gives us a what are we supposed to do with our ability. And what's cool is we're only going to look at two verses today. If you brought a Bible uh, with you, you're going to turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 10 and 11. So again, that's going to be 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 and 11. I'm going to break it down uh, piece by piece. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's totally fine. I'm going to have it up on the screen uh, as well. And these verses are going to do a couple things. I'm not going to just tell you what are you going to do with that, like what are you going to do with your ability. It's also going to tell you how to use your ability and also why you want to use your ability. But let's go ahead. Uh, let's read this first part here. First Peter 4 says, as each has received a gift, that is an ability, it says, use it to serve one another. And use it to serve one another. The text is actually really clear. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to use it to serve one another. Now, this may not sound profound or new, right, to use it to serve one another. But let me just tell you, in a culture that is increasingly and increasingly getting more and more selfish, it's Bible verses like this where the Bible needs to take a strong stand, a deep stand on selflessness. Okay, so as a pastor and, and someone who loves youth group, I'm always reading research papers and articles, and I'm trying to learn about the, the differing generations, what we need to know about generations, okay? Now, in a study that was talking about Generation X, okay, so that would be a lot of the adults in this room, okay, they were labeled as the me generation, okay, the me generation, and then uh, another study came out on Generation Y, that's the millennials, okay? So that would be everybody in, in my age group, and Francis, and Nathan, okay? You know, that study called us the me, me generation, okay? And now in this newest study on Generation Z, okay, those are our current high school and middle schoolers, any guesses on what they're called? The me, me, me generation, Okay, we are increasingly becoming uh, more and more, more selfish, and that's just kind of like our human nature, sin nature. So yes, does the Bible need to tell you and I to be more and more selfless? Absolutely, absolutely. So yes, serve others. Now, um, have you ever been told this statement, like how you say something is just as important as what you say? Have you ever heard of that? Well, the same thing is true about abilities, okay? How you do them, okay, also matters. That's also very important, okay? You can't uh, achieve good results by using crooked uh, methods, okay? So we want to look at uh, the scriptures here and how are you supposed to use your gift, 
okay? So how are we supposed to use our gifts? This is going to continue in 1 Peter. It says, as good stewards of God's varied grace, uh, whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God, okay? So I want to draw your, your attention. What's that word, stewards? Does anybody know what a steward is, what it means? So I asked this question a few weeks ago to the youth group upstairs, and I said, hey, guys, what's a steward? What does that mean? And believe it or not, uh, one person did answer it correctly. It was Kyle. I know that's surprising, right? Because he can come off as like this total goofball, right? It's Kyle. But if you really listen to the guy, he's actually really brilliant. He's really smart, and I love having Kyle upstairs. But he's the one who got it right. Uh, And he said, yeah, it's, a steward is someone who manages something that's not theirs. Okay? You manage it. You, you kind of guide it and direct it. In, in a sense, when God calls you and I a steward okay, of these abilities, here's the focus, and listen up. Your abilities do not belong to you. I know that's humbling. That might even be offensive to some. Okay? But your abilities, you are not the owner of them. You're just the manager of them. See, there's a parable that uh, Jesus in the Gospels, he gives this really cool parable in in Matthew chapter 25, talking about talents and uh, talking about abilities. You don't have to turn there. We'll have it up on the screen. Let me read it for you, though. He says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, to each according to his, what? Ability. Then he went away. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Okay. So this was just a parable that Jesus gave concerning abilities and how to invest them wisely. So last week when Sam was talking about time, it's the same idea here. You can either invest your ability wisely and steward it properly as the master would have you, or you can waste it and squander it, okay? And this passage, it's one of the, I think I consider it one of the scariest passages in the Bible. I think it's a very sobering wake-up call Because as a steward, these guys were all stewards of stuff given to them. And let me ask, was the master obligated? Was the master obligated to entrust these things to them? Absolutely not. See, the master graciously, actually no, generously, right, gave these talents to be used properly, to be used wisely. And at the end, they have to give a report. They have to give an account of how did they steward their resources. Guys, here's just, I'm your pastor. I I don't tell you what you want to hear. I tell you what you need to hear. Me and you, will we one day have to give an account? Will we one day have to present ourselves before the Lord Jesus and answer, how well did you steward the things that were entrusted to you? It's a big wake-up call for us. And that's what this text points us to. Now, there's one other thing. Let's go back to the 1 Peter uh, text real quick because there's a second thing I want to point out, okay? 
See where it says, uh, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God? Now, there's something that we kind of miss here as kind of Westerners, okay? And that's that you have a power that you can tap into concerning your ability. Now, let me, let me show you what I'm talking about by, by sharing a brief story from seminary, okay? I was in class in seminary one day, and the teacher asked uh, one of my foreign classmates, I'm pretty sure he was from Africa, I don't know which country in Africa, pretty sure it's Africa, and he asked, what, what do you think is, is like the main difference with Christianity here in the United States? And my African friend here, he said, it absolutely amazes me that American Christians believe they can do anything and everything without the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes, I, can, I don't know how you guys do that. You believe you can do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. And now I get it. Like we, as Americans, right, when something bad happens, if there's a troubling situation, you and I, we can pick up the phone, we can call 911. For them, not so easy. They don't have a phone to pick up. They just have knees to fall onto. They only get that one phone call to God. They are used to depending on the Holy Spirit for strength and for power concerning everything, including their abilities. Guys, in this text, you have an ability, and let me just tell you plainly, you have an option to tap into the Holy Spirit. Okay, every true believer, listen, every true believer has the Holy Spirit inside of them. But you and I, aren't we quick to forget that the Holy Spirit is there? Isn't it easy? Isn't it? It's totally easy to just do things on your own strength, by your own power, and totally forget that you have access to a divine, supernatural power called the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys, you guys do some difficult, hard things. Some of you guys are working at jobs that's really hard to work with that coworker, to work with that boss, Okay, to perform in this situation. Some of you guys have to stay home with kids all day long, okay? And I'm sure that must be draining, okay? You do some very, very difficult things. Guys, you guys are trying to get good grades and keep those good grades. I know the youth group is even doing some tough stuff. You have an opportunity, every one of you, to, to tap into the Holy Spirit. Now, there's one last thing to point out, too. By tapping into the Holy Spirit, you don't just get a newfound power or strength. You know what you also get? You get something called humility. You get something called humility. Now, let me ask you why that's, why that's important, okay? What do you think about a person who is incredibly talented and yet incredibly arrogant? For the most part, we don't really like people like that. But I find, like, ability... And humility, they go together like coffee and donuts, or I would say like pizza and beer. Like they go so well together. We have so much admiration, right, for the people who are incredibly talented, and yet they're so humble, so humble about it. I want to share this text here. There's the Apostle Paul, and if you know the Apostle Paul, he is probably, right, isn't he probably the most popular of the apostles, right? I mean, he's got Huge name, big name, super popular, very gifted, very talented individual, but I want you to pay attention to how humble he is. Listen to how many times he credits the grace of God. Let me read it for you. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, 
For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Who does he give the credit to? He gives the credit to God. When you tap into the Holy Spirit's power and you depend on God to use your ability, you don't just get that strength and that power that you need. You end up giving God the glory. You say he's the one that looks good. He's the one that looks best. It's not supposed to be all eyes on me. I know I'm great. I'm talented. I can do this. I can do that. But don't focus on me because you need to focus on him. Humility and ability they go so well together. And that is actually where the first Peter even um, says, what is the motive and what is the reason for you using your ability? Here's the last part of how that first Peter text goes. The point of using your ability, it says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Guys, the whole point, the whole point of the, our abilities and serving God and serving others and stewarding your resources well, it's got one main focus, and what's that one main focus? Is giving glory to God through Jesus Christ. It's all about giving him glory. Now, last week, if you were with us, Pastor Sam said something super, super crucial. He says, our lives are short. Our lives are short. He shared that text, our life is like a mist. It comes and it vanishes. And when I think about this text that says our lives are short, you know what I think about? I just want my life to count. I don't think I'm alone. I think you guys feel very similar to me. Don't you want your life, your short, short life, don't you want your life to be meaningful? And don't you want your life to count for something? I want to share this story. I call it the greatest lesson I ever learned in college. Okay, when I graduated high school, I went on to go to the University of Arizona, and I declared my major as chemical engineer. Okay, because I was really good at chemistry and I was really good at math, and I liked both. And I was getting great grades. Okay, I was even getting award for some of my engineering projects. But my freshman year of college, I, I joined a, a club called Crew, which is a, a Christian club on campus, and it, I started getting discipled, and it started making me take my faith more seriously. And I started asking myself, what does it mean to live a meaningful life? What does it mean to be a meaningful life? How can I give to God and give to others in a very meaningful way? Well, here, this is what 18-year-old Jimmy thought that the only meaningful lives are doctors, right? There's the logic of an 18-year-old. I thought I was convinced I had to be pre-med, I had to be a doctor in order to contribute some ability that's worthy of God and others, okay? And so I go, I, I'm pre-med for three years, okay? And my grades tank, I'm doing horrible, I hate this stuff, biology, ah, oh, I don't like it, never again. And then I came across a verse in the Bible, 
And this verse has been one of the most freeing verses to me, and I am so thrilled to be able to share it with you, okay? It comes from Colossians 3.23, and it says, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. You know what the big, big point of that text is? If you're doing it for the glory of God, then it counts. Say it again. Whatever you do, if you do it for the glory of God, then it counts. That means you can be the school teacher, you can be the janitor, you could be the police officer, you can be the engineer. And if you're doing that ability to the glory of God, let me tell you, it counts. It absolutely counts because it's all about giving God the glory. It's all about giving him the glory. I want to close with probably like the biggest piece of advice I want to leave you with. I'm told from my seminary preaching class that most people remember the beginning of a sermon and usually the end of a sermon. Okay, so if you remember anything, I want you to remember this last point. And, uh, James, go ahead and flash it on there. And it's this, don't let what you do for God outpace your intimacy with God. It's worth repeating. Don't let what you do for God outpace your intimacy with God. I want to draw everyone's attention back to time. Back to time. Guys, some of us, many of us, okay, we're super able, have talent, have giftedness, super talented, but if you're not spending that time with God, your batteries are eventually going to run empty, right? Something that Francis and I really care strongly about is this idea called self-care. It's called self-care. And we, we value that so much because we know that if we're not taking care of ourselves, we won't really be able to take care of each other, We won't really be able to take care of anybody because we're not self-caring. Now, is it it easy for me as a pastor maybe to get caught up with more Bible studies, more youth outreaches, more church busyness? Yeah. Is it easy for you to make yourselves busy at your job, at your career, social life? It's so easy for you and I to get busy and then neglect self-care. And I would tell you, God wants intimacy first. And I have it written out. I like, I like saying it like this. Who wants a relationship that's just based on things you do for each other? Like the terms of your relationship is only on what you do for each other. Meaning, if you do this and you do your side, I will do my side. Okay? And there's a, a name for that type of relationship. It's called contractual it's a contract. You do your side, I do my side. And if you ever notice this, but every single world religion operates like that. Every single world religion operates. Do, 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 you get in. If you don't do, you don't get in. And Christianity, the gospel, is absolutely different. Because God, he would ask 
for your heart before he asks for your hands. He wants a relationship with you first before you ever contribute anything to him. You have these abilities. You have opportunities to serve. God wants us to serve, but if he doesn't have your heart first, then you're missing the big, the big picture. Because if he has your heart, he, he's going to have your hands too. Guys, you need that intimate relationship with God first. I want to invite the band up. And as they come up, I, I want to share this really kind of cool story. It's more of an Instagram post. It's a pastor that I follow on Instagram. And this pastor on Instagram, he shows this picture of him and his five-year-old daughter. And this is what he said in the post. He goes, if you asked my daughter, if you asked her, why does daddy love you? You know what she'll say? Because I'm daddy's daughter. She will not say, daddy loves me because I'm pretty. She's not going to say, daddy loves me because I'm good. Daddy loves me because I can do this or I can do that. She knows how to answer that question correctly. Daddy loves me because I'm daddy's little girl. Let me tell you, that is true of you. You cannot earn more of God's love by contributing just more and more of your ability. It doesn't matter how generous you are with, with your abilities, your service, your finances, none of that. You can't earn more of God's love. Why does daddy love you? Why does God love you? Because you are God's son and you are God's daughter. And we don't serve from obligation. You know why we're generous with our ability? Because of who we are in Christ. Because of what he's done for us. Generous people are generous because they probably received some generosity themselves. Someone had to model it for them. Someone had to be the example first. That's what makes the gospel unique. God was generous to you first. And it is from that heart of generosity we share his heart. And now we are generous with our abilities. Heavenly Father, you gave and you gave and you gave and you gave. Lord, we love you. And we, we don't want to just get busy doing stuff for you. You don't want us to be busy doing stuff for you. You want us to be intimate with you. You want us to spend time with you, time in your word, time in prayer, time in our our Tuesday night men's dinner, or time in our study group, small groups. Lord, you want our hearts more than you want our hands. You want a relationship first. Lord, you the ability to forgive us, you did. You with the ability to die in our place for our sins, you did. You gave and you gave and you gave. Lord, and it is with our hearts of appreciation that we give back to you now. Lord, in song, with our hearts, with our abilities, with our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all stand together as we sing this last song?